right, welcome to Stacy on the Ride here on the podcast at Family Vision Media. So excited that I have with me today my friend Dick Morris, author, political consultant, former advisor to President Clinton, and other fantastic presidents such as President Trump. Thank you so much, Dick, for coming on. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, I I was thinking to myself, I want to analyze politics. I want to talk about the the deep background. And of course, here you are. And you have an article over at Newsmax.com, which is linked in the show notes for today's podcast. And it's entitled Dick Morris to Newsmax. The New York Times is the last effective political machine in the United States. So you're looking quite dapper there, all in black, hater proof black. What were you describing there about the New York Times? Well, there was a congressional race in New York a few weeks ago between two incumbent congressmen, Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney. Nadler, by the way, was my high school and college roommate, and uh, he's a crazy leftist now. And uh, they fought each other, and they didn't attack each other in the debates. So I called Jerry, and I said, why didn't you attack her? And he said, because the New York Times editorial board made, made us understand that if either of us attacked the other, they would not get the Times endorsement. And that's all he needed to say. We both knew that the New York Times endorsement would absolutely determine who won that congressional seat. And it did. They endorsed Jerry, and he won by a huge margin, even though the polling before the Times endorsement had showed the race to be tied. And my point here is that these are the most intelligent and best-educated people in America who read the New York Times. And they are the dumbest in following whatever the Times editorial board says. Uh, they absolutely are in march and lockstep. Mayor Daly in Chicago never had more loyal adherence. I think it's so interesting that they're so literate, but they basically only listen to the Times. And I think the broader reason for that is that the left is dominated by the global elite. We really don't live any place. Uh, Christopher Lash in his book, The Revolt of the Elite, wrote that these globalists essentially regard America the way a tourist would. And they don't really live here. They just, you know, occasionally come here. And uh, they see the global economy as the key thing. And they're more interested in what's happening in Paris than what's happening in the Bronx in New York. So uh, I think that's sort of interesting. But I have a personal experience with the New York Times right now that I want to share with you. Hmm. My book, The Return, Trump's come, Big Comeback in 2024, is number four on the BookScan bestseller list. And BookScan counts every single book sold in every single way in the entire country or world. And uh, it's number four. But on the New York Times list, it appears nowhere. And I think that the New York Times would rather freeze in hell uh, before burn in hell, before they would put a book entitled The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback, on their bestseller list. I agree. I, I think they would rather be set on fire or lay down in the middle of the yeah. uh, you know Manhattan Avenue and, and be tased by uh, New York City police cops, anything rather than acknowledge that a book with Trump's picture on the front is a New York yeah. Times bestseller, which you are already a New York Times bestselling author. Can, can we yeah, just talk about that? Books on their list. Uh, so obviously this one would be there too. I just, I just had to point that out. This would be there too. It would be there. It would be number four. So um, 
there's something else I've been talking about lately, and I think I may have shared it on your radio show, but I want to discuss it on your podcast, too. Um, I do not believe that Donald Trump took those documents from the White House to Mar-a-Lago with him to defend himself against the possible FBI indictment. I think Trump took those documents to attack the FBI in an indictment of the FBI because Trump believes, probably correctly, that those documents contain smoking guns to prove the collusion between the FBI and Hillary campaign in the Russia hoax scandal to prove that they gave the FISA board knowingly false information to get surveillance warrants on Trump's staff and that they tapped Trump's phones during the election. And I think that the reason the FBI burst into Mar-a-Lago to seize those documents was not to use them against Trump, but to prevent Trump from using them against them. So I actually think your analysis there is spot on as per usual. But Dick, isn't there the either or concept going on here where, yes, they wanted classified documents back that should have been under his purview for five years per the Presidential Records Act. But there's something more. They took 650,000 documents that weren't a part of the presidential archive. So they really, in my opinion, wanted to read things that they would never have access to because they had no business reading them, his private papers. Now, of course, Judge Cannon, the district court judge, is uh, is overruled them and said that unless the special master approves of them, they can't even look at those documents, although they've had them for a week or two. And uh, I think that that's good. But I think that the law, and I don't think they'll ever get to see them officially, but I think that the point here is that because those documents are now segregated by the special master, and the FBI can't use them in a criminal investigation. I think that this investigation is going nowhere, and there'll be no indictments. It'll just peter out. But I do believe that after that happens, and the Republicans win control of the House and the Senate, which I think they will in November, they will convene an investigative committee of their own to investigate the FBI and the documents Trump took from Mar-a-Lago will not be Exhibit A in the indictment of Trump, but will be Exhibit A in an indictment and hearing about the FBI. So that's what they're afraid of. Meanwhile, since the raid and since you and I last spoke, which I have to say I'm really enjoying the frequency of our talks. You just keep that um, in the back of your mind. Um, We've had 35 people affiliated with Trump world in some way They've had their homes raided now, so the search isn't over. Yep. Well, the outrageous thing about this, the most outrageous, is that Trump is in the middle of raising money for the 22 campaign to back Republicans around the country. And many of those subpoenas were issued to donors to the Trump campaign, contributors, who now Trump is approaching again for more money. So they get a phone call from Trump. And then they get a subpoena from the FBI investigating whether they're corrupt in giving Trump money, which they know is specious, but it will scare the hell out of them. And they're doing it deliberately to dry up Trump's money. Will that work? Uh, 
well, it will dry up some of it, but Trump will have has an avalanche of support. The broader question really is whether we're going to capture Congress or not. And I think the Republicans are, I think they will, but I think they're making a big mistake right now. The Republican candidates in the different states, the senator and Congress, are running their campaigns as if they're in the vacuum, as if it's Dr. Oz against Fetterman. And, you know, Dr. Oz might not have lived in Pennsylvania, and Fetterman just had a stroke and maybe can't serve. And the issues they're using are particular to each of those races. I don't think that's what they should do. I think that they should make this a referendum on the Biden administration, because everybody knows how bad Biden's doing. Everybody knows how terrible inflation is, even though the government won't admit it. And everyone knows how bad the economy is going and all of that. And the Democrats are anxious to avoid that comparison. So they'd much rather talk about uh, Oz's residence or which army he served in or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. because that way they don't have to answer to their record. The fact of the matter is that there is not a single Republican or Democrat in the United States Senate that does not vote with his party leader more than 90% of the time. Like in Connecticut, Blumenthal is running for Senate as the Democrat, and he voted to support Biden 98.1% of the time. And the same is true of all of these incumbents. And two of the Republicans, too. They vote the way McConnell wants 90% of the time, 95 So when you go out and you say, I'm interested in this guy's character, and did he lie here, and was he faithful here, and did he, uh, was he moral in this way? I don't think any of that means a damn thing. We're electing voting machines here because these senators simply sit in their seats and get counted based on their party. And it is crucial that the Republicans in this campaign make clear that whatever the name is, the guy that's actually on the ballot is Joe Biden. So I agree with you on that 100 percent. And it actually dovetails into Chapter 7 of your book, The Midterms and the White House, where you actually write about this extensively. But I want to highlight one thing you have here that kind of it touches on what the point you're making, and that is... You are talking about the 71% of voters at the end of June of 2021 who disapproved of the job Congress was doing, which was a big fall off from the 61% who had disapproved in March of 2021. So that's a, a huge swing of 10 points over just a couple of months. And so you are encouraging Republicans to do what you just described there, but to look at where these people are running and especially reelected from districts Trump carried in 2020. You actually run down the numbers there. So if if Republicans have anything to do over the next 59 days, it's focusing on what they're offering in contrast to what the Democrats are already giving Americans. And, and what they're giving us actually hurts, Dick. It hurts financially. It hurts our children. It hurts everywhere. Yeah. I think the most important thing is not to concentrate on their individual issues against their opponents. Uh, I don't care that Spiderman had a stroke and that uh, that maybe he can't speak articulately. I don't give a damn. What I care about is that if he gets elected, he's going to vote the way Biden and the Democrats tell him to all of the time. He's going to vote for no oil drilling, no fracking, uh, so the gas prices will soar. He's going to vote for major hundreds of billions of 
spending, so inflation will increase dramatically. He's going to vote to keep the border open, so these people will threaten us for our jobs coming in here illegally. Uh, he will vote to handicap and handcuff police in the battle against crime. That's the stuff I care about. And I don't think the Republicans are running enough on that. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a localization of races that ignores the pain that is spread equally across the country. Right. Uh, the fact is, gas is high everywhere. Inflation is high everywhere. My favorite metric, the cost of chicken thighs. If you're a mom and you cook chicken, chicken thighs are a staple. No skin, no bones. You can make almost anything with them. The cost of chicken thighs is way up. And for families that aren't eating steak and going out to eat, families that are really on a budget, the price of chicken thighs and lunch meat and things like that are so important. Milk, eggs, the the staples. And those things are very, very expensive. And you actually talk about inflation in your book as well. I can't recommend it enough. I have to share a joke with you. It's a little off color. My wife asked me, what's your favorite part? Which do you prefer, thighs or breasts? And I said, on the chicken thighs. <laughs> well, I'm I'm with you. I don't like chicken breast. I really prefer chicken thighs. But I don't have a preference on the other end of that joke. So I, I, I love it. I love the humor. So let's let's talk really quickly as we close out here, Dick. And thank you so much for your time today. Um, I, I just I want to touch on something that is driving me a little nutty about the the Democrats. And you have this in your book as well. You talk about education and critical race theory. They are presently running away from the fact that it was Democrat districts, it was uh, county executives, mayors, um, any any person in elected authority who had who was in charge of anything. They shut down schools, churches, businesses, gyms. You could only go to the casino. You could only go to Planned Parenthood. You could only go to Walmart and uh, shop at Amazon while the pandemic was in full swing. Now they're running away from that because they realize how much harm it caused to Americans and especially children who were kept out of school. How do Republicans handle that? Well, I believe that Republicans should do everything they can to capture local school board elections. In fact, one of the things that President Trump is supporting that I love is that every school board should have a parent on it. And I believe that a certain proportion of the school board seats, a majority, should be reserved for parents of kids actually in the school. The educrats, the bureaucrats and the educators, put together, I call them the educrats, say that, oh, they're not professional. They don't know about pedagogy and teaching techniques. Well, nonsense. They raise their children, and they're responsible for the outcome, and they ought to have control. But I would say something else in the interim. There is now about, and the stats suggested yesterday, there's been an 8% decrease in public school enrollment, and a commensurate increase in parochial schools, homeschooling, and charter schools. And I think that parents should vote with their feet and move their children to schools that want them and want to let them be educated and want to get them to get good schooling. And where there are states where the legislature prohibits or limits the number of charter schools, they should protest against that and explore the option of homeschooling or parochial schools. Uh, they're much better and just scores completely in their favor. And we have to realize that the public school system in the United States is fundamentally corrupted by the teachers' union. It's really a public works project to give the teachers jobs. And that became so clear during the COVID epidemic when the teachers were willing to close down the whole school 
rather than risk catching a cold. So um, I just think that this is is a very important issue. And I also feel that ultimately it's the answer to the abortion issue politically. I think that women are going to be much more likely to vote based on how their child's education is than on the issue of what they might have wanted in earlier years in their lives about reproductive health. I, and that's such an excellent point. And, and I would co-sign 100% your comments about parents being on school boards. When I was an elected school board member, um, the majority of the people on the board were parents, but it was those of us who had kids in the district at the time. So our kids hadn't graduated. They were still there. We had the most up-to-date information about what our kids were experiencing in the classroom, and it really made for a much more vibrant board of education than boards that are, you know, bureaucrats and parents whose kids are adults, because you're out of touch by that point. Um, and that's so that's such a great point that you're making. I want to tell everyone, go to Amazon. You don't even have to type in the entire, this is the least typing you'll do. You'll type in Dick, M-O, and all of his books will come up, but the return is at the top. It's a bestseller on Amazon. I can't recommend it enough. It's not one of those ones that you're going to hit somebody over the head with and do a British killing. It's actually just right length for you to read through it. I've already finished it. Excellent read. Get it. It's The Return by Dick Morris, Trump's big 2024 comeback. I'm calling it a New York Times bestseller, but, you know, that's just me. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe this agitation will force them to be fast. (laughs) Exactly. They'll they'll hear me and they'll say, okay, fine, fine. So she'll stop talking about us. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, we look forward to seeing you on Newsmax. And thank you so much for joining me today, Dick Morris. Thank you. All right. Have a great afternoon. So we will have more podcasts for you in the near future. God bless and see you next time.